now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hi there, everyone. I'm Tony Joe. Thanks for joining us. This is The Whole Home Show. We're here every week and we talk about home-related matters, real estate stuff, talk about the market, which we're going to be doing today. And it is our pleasure to have the support every week of our show partners. Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group. J.P. Sellers, insurance advisor at Westland Insurance. The Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs. And Silhouette Home Inspections with Pierre Beauvais. If you need help or direction in your real estate transaction, give any of the whole Home Show team members a call. They would love to hear from you. Think of them as your trusted advisors. I mean, after all, if you've been listening to this program for the years, the four years we've been on and the 220 some odd episodes, uh, you'll know them. You may not have met them, but you've heard of them and you've heard their advice and direction and you know they can help you. They would be happy to help you. If you need their contact information, uh, just go to the cfax1070.com website. You'll find uh, look under shows there. You'll find us, the whole home show with me, Tony Joe. You'll find all the contact information there, along with mine as well, too. Uh, of course, I am the real estate agent of the group. I've been helping people here in Greater Victoria for many years. This is my third decade, 30 years of doing this. I love our home city. I love where we live, where we play. And of course, the fact that this is the place that people choose to come to, which I'm going to be talking about in just a moment. I can help you as well, too. So if you're looking for a second opinion or looking for advice or direction in where you want to go, just give me a call. I'd be happy to help. We're going to be chatting today with our show partners, Denise Webster, our mortgage broker, and also uh, Gurpreet Randawa, our lawyer. We're going to have a conversation about what's going on out there in today's real estate environment, along with what they and I are seeing out there, hurdles that people are having to overcome, especially when it comes to buying today, because that's the hardest part. Hardest part is being a buyer and some things to look out for and to be cautious about uh, as well. Uh, now, we always start our program with a little conversation about what's going on out there. Uh, we did have a uh, listener question, which I'm going to post to Gurpreet a little later because it has to do with easements. So it's a legal question. I don't want to cover that one myself. She's going to be uh, the person to cover that. If you do have a question or something that you'd like us to talk about on this program, uh, just look us up. Uh, Google me, Tony Joe Real Estate. You'll find my email address, Tony at primeteam.ca, uh, or go to the CFAX 1070 website uh, and just contact us that, in that particular way. Now, we have continued to have more people from across Canada or all over decide to come and move here to Victoria. Of course, our borders are uh, soon to be open uh, southbound. But the Americans have been coming up this way. You know, the question is, are we going to see more of our American neighbors decide to come up that way? You know, time will tell. Come up this way, sorry. Time will tell. We'll see. But uh, we've got a lot of people who are moving into the region. And what I want to share with you today is some questions that realtors typically ask. Because, of course, our job is to help people, especially buyers, help people with their real estate purchase. It's not like a retail environment. So it's not just simply a matter of going online and saying, hey, I like that house. You know, I'll put in an offer. 
uh, and then boom, there we go. There's a lot of complication around it, not the least of which is happening right now in this multiple offer bidding war environment, because it's hard enough to get to a house because there's low inventory. It's, it's even harder sometimes to secure that house, especially if you have to fight with 15 or 20 other people just to try to get it. So uh, this harkens me to a conversation that I had with visitors who came from Ontario just this week, and we gave them a little tour of Greater Victoria. Now, the first thing I, I want to tell you is they're not intending to buy for some time, for a year or two years. This happens. This is common. Some of our listeners here right now probably remember that before you came here. Maybe you did a little scouting visit and you decided to check the town out. Um, now, of course, one of the questions that was asked at some point was, could we have a look at some properties? And the answer actually was no. And it's not that we didn't want to show them properties. It's just a number of things. Number one, it is obvious that any house we look at now is not going to be on the market in 12, 18, or 24 months. They are all selling in days right now. So there is that. Number two, the economics will be different. You know, we've seen a market where properties are going up 2% per month. So if they're coming in 12 or 18 months, there could be another 12 or 18% rise between now and then. So the economics will be different. Granted, where they're coming from is going to see a lift as well, too, but just something to consider, right? And the last thing, too, is really out of respect to uh, the homeowners. You know, I know I have enough conversations with my own sellers where one of my obligations as their gatekeeper is to ensure, especially right now under COVID, to ensure that only the people coming in the house are ones who are qualified, ready, willing, and able to purchase their home right now. Because if you're not any of those things or all of those things, all you really are is a looky-loo, a tire kicker. You know, it would be like me going to the uh, Rolls-Royce dealership and wanting to take a test drive of a Rolls-Royce. I'm not in the market. I'm not there. You know, I don't have the money for that, for instance. Uh, that is a tire kicker. And uh, of course, the, uh, it is out of respect to the sellers where we limit showings to people who are, who are financially capable and are willing and able to perhaps write an offer during offer period, which may end up being bidding war or multiple offers. Um, so some of the things that we need to know, uh, Victoria, when you think about it, although it's a small town of just over 400,000 people, there are so many different pockets and areas of town here, all with their own different vibes and feels uh, and attractions. Uh, we are well-practiced at this because of the fact that I do a fair amount of military transfer, uh, a lot of relocations. We often have people that have only five or seven days in Victoria here to come get acquainted and buy a house. It happens really quickly for relocations. Um, so for those of us who do a lot of relocation uh, um, uh, assistance, we have to get consumers up to speed very quickly on all of the aspects of Victoria. That was very helpful that I am born and raised here. Um, and of course, our team is very knowledgeable uh, as well, locally here uh, as well. So we typically start having conversation about lifestyle. What is it that the buyer needs when they're here in Victoria? We basically ask them what a week looks like. 
what are things that you do during the week? What are, what are your typical weekend like? Uh, what are the recreation uh, requirements? Are you a golfer? Do you need a, a gym? Do you, would you like uh, trails nearby? Uh, these people were dog people. Where are you going to go and walk your dogs? Right? We also ask uh, in their current living environment, what do they have? What are they used to? What are they nearby? Do they have a little village that they enjoy going to? What's in the village? Is it coffee shops? Is it a wine bar? Is it a, a big grocery store, like a major? Or is it a small? Like, what do they like? Basically trying to replicate uh, what they're coming from, but giving it the sort of Victoria flavor here. Uh, the other thing, too, is we talk about the villages. There's definitely there's different villages peppered throughout town here. Um, what is the vibe they're looking for? Uh, is there a family involved? Is there requirements for the kids as far as school? Uh, we often have the conversation about catchment areas because not every place has the catchment area system like we do here in Victoria. So any good agent will be asking a lot of questions as to uh, what the buyer needs and requires. It's not just the price, folks. It's not just the price. Uh, it's, uh, you know, there are so many other attributes as well too. You know, what do they wanna see when they look out the back window, right? Um, how do they feel about a smaller lot or will they use a bigger lot? So many questions. That's what we're here to find out. And that's how we will best serve uh, not only someone relocating from out of town, but anyone, even people from in town who maybe need to explore other areas. If you have a question or something you want to chat about here on the Whole Home Show, just reach out to us. Be happy to have it on the air. Need to take our break right now. When we come back, we'll be having a conversation with our show partners, Denise Webster and Gurpreet Randall about mortgages and legal aspects. Back in just a moment. You're listening to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show. Uh, we are talking today about all of the neat stuff that's going on out there right now in the market. It's a market unlike anything anyone has seen before. I mean, I've been at this for 30 years now. There's other people who've been doing this here locally in Victoria for even longer. We've never seen a market like this. And it's not just real estate. Of course, we're talking about supply chain shortages and all things. You know, whether it's appliances or cars, the car dealerships are having issues. There's just a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot of change that has happened out there that's caused buyers to actually adapt to the current environment. And that's what we're talking about today. Our guest right now is one of our show supporters and our show sponsor, Denise Webster. Denise is our intrepid mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group. Uh, Denise, I feel like it's been a while that you've been on here, um, even though I know it's not. It's just we've been busy, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's always great to be back, Tony. Thank you. Okay, um, so a few things that we want to talk about today. You know, there is a lot of misinformation is not the right word, but there's a lot of um, uh, things that misunderstood. misunderstood, misunderstanding. Yes, perfect. Um, and I want to start with... Um, pre-approvals and you know this is not a this is a topic that we've talked about before but it's particularly important right now because when a buyer finds a property that they want it's not like the old days where you just write an offer and you've got you know whatever it is two weeks subject to financing and all that kind of stuff people are asking you daily hey can i write an offer 
without a condition. Where am I? Right. So it is daily. It feels that way, Tony. It, hourly. It, every every time it comes up in the in the conversation. Okay. Um, and what is your answer when people ask you that question? Well, I, I don't want to ever be cheeky, but sometimes you want to say, well, an unconditional offer means you have cash to buy this house no. that you do not need financing. Um, that's really just to break it down as simple as it is. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I can really uh, help my clients understand best that what an unconditional offer means is that we've gone had the ability to do, do all our due diligence to know that there's no way financing would fall through. Um, that, you know, because for the most cases, most people do need mortgages. They are not buying these houses with cash. Yeah. So um, I've said this before. I always tell my clients, I am going to pre-qualify you. Um, so it, get that word approval out of the conversation because a lot of people just move forward with that. I've been approved. But at the end of the day, the final approval is the actual um, property that they're purchasing. So if financing is required, the lender also has to approve the, the property, the house, um, the, the area that they're purchasing in. So if we do have the ability to do that pre-inspection and know that there's nothing really terribly going on uh, with the property itself, if there's anything that's devaluing the property that would set off an alarm for the lender to not want to lend on that home, if we can get that stuff done ahead of time and I can do all my due diligence on my client to pre-qualify, confirm all their income, look at their credit report, look at their down payment documents, all of that has to be done before you could even consider making an unconditional offer. Well, and that's the biggie, right? Because people often think, oh my goodness, I found this house and I want it. So I'll call Denise and then over the phone, she'll give me an approval. But you need more than that. Like there's a yeah, lot more than that. A lot more. And, you know, it's really alarming when a, a house does come up on the market and they're going to give buyers a, a three days over a weekend to present an unconditional offer. Well, that's alarming. They're not giving a buyer any time to even if they did have the ability to do these pre-inspection or call an insurance broker and find out if this home is insurable. There's nothing uh, like a, you know, a buried oil tank or something that may cause problems with your home insurance. These are things that a listing agent should be giving a buyer an opportunity if they really are hoping for an unconditional offer that they would have the ability to do some due diligence ahead of time. Well, you know, and this brings up one of my pet peeves because you just brought it up here as well too. And that is when there are delayed offers, when, um, and I'm talking to you realtors out there that listen to this program. When you list a property on Friday and you are expecting offers on Monday, that's not enough time for anyone to do any form of due diligence, you know, not just the banking, it's, you know, inspections, it's going to the municipal, how can you go to the municipal hall to ask for permit details if it's closed on the weekend? I, I do not believe that's doing a service to the seller because it would turn, I've had people say, I can't do that. I, I, can't, I can't do this in three days. So, you know, I, I can't participate. So instead of getting, you know, 10 offers, maybe they got five or something, you know, and that's not good for the seller, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. But um, again, talking about timing with financing, though, I mean, you need to confirm uh, income and all that. So it this does involve some paperwork, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, and hopefully we've done all this ahead of time. Now, 
Um, I'm talking about a really clean mortgage application as well, where there's no questions on their income or their credit um, report is um, score is really, really strong. So if I have anything that's just a little bit unsure, um, like it's an average credit score, there might be some blemishes on there, um, and maybe they're self-employed and I don't have a really strong two-year average of their income, Maybe there's just a little bit of stuff in there that I'm not 100% sure on an approval because the lender might need to make some exceptions to their file based on a lower credit score, based on inconsistency in their income. That's a really hard thing for me to tell a client that you are pre-qualified because until I actually have an accepted offer and the lender underwrites it, I won't know if I'm going to get these types of exceptions for their financing. So not everybody can fit into that box either of an unconditional offer due to finance for financing because I can definitely, I definitely have some files that there's just no questions asked. This is so clean. Income is straightforward. Credit's great. Down payment's great. I can be very confident in saying I have no issues of getting your financing approved, but there's a lot of files where I'm not going to say that to my clients because I know my lenders will have to make some type of exception and that's not guaranteed. Well, Sometimes you need a legal opinion on whether or not somebody should uh, write unconditionally. And as luck would have it, who just appeared on our screen is our show sponsor, Gurpreet Arendal from the Sitka Law Group. Hi, Gurpreet. Hi, Tony. How are you? Hi, Denise. Hi, Gurpreet. So when somebody says to you, their lawyer, hey, listen, I really got to buy this house, um, but I got to go on unconditional. They're asking you for that advice. I'd be interested to know what your what you tell them. I always tell them the worst case scenario to start. Um, so if you go in unconditional and it's accepted, you're required to complete. So you have to make sure that the financing is going to come together, that you're going to be able to get the property insured. Um, and that there's no way that something might, you know, fall through the cracks that you're satisfied with the state of the property. If you waived an inspection, um, so there's so many risks associated with that. So I understand from a buyer's perspective, you know, they're desperate to get into the real estate market to get that property. Maybe they've had many experiences where they haven't had an accepted offer. They're feeling defeated, but unconditional offers come with so many risks. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I have to say for me, for all of the unconditional offers that we have written in the past uh, two years, I'm going to say I, we had maybe uh, four or five that were true cash buyers mm -hmm. like almost everyone requires some degree of funding you know even if it's a small yeah. uh instrument or something so that yeah. is that there that is that little level of risk right absolutely and if you need to add more parties to title you know was that even contemplated in the contract um if you if your lender uh needs to get an appraisal done can you even access the property for an appraisal if it wasn't contemplated in the contract ah uh, hey actually hold that thought because i want to address that one right now uh, so for our listeners, it happens every once in a while when somebody writes unconditionally, the deal is done, they get the property, that's great. Then all of a sudden, uh, Denise says, hey, uh, we just need to get an a, a appraisal to confirm the value of the property. And then the agent uh, tries to make that appointment and the seller goes, I'm not letting you in. That's not in the contract. You wrote an unconditional offer and that's, you know, that's done. That's a real complication now. Hopefully you're not bumping into that too much nowadays, Denise. 
I'm not. Um, you know, if I've had the opportunity to at least speak with the uh, agent as well, if we're going in unconditional, um, I need that mentioned in the contract. And um, a lot of sellers are not seeing that as an actual condition. They still do accept this as an unconditional offer. And we write a clause in you. You're doing this too, as Tony. You're writing yeah. a clause in that the buyer will need uh, possible access for a market appraisal. So that gives the seller the warning. Um, uh, and then ideally, we don't want to do that too late down the road because you don't want to alarm the seller. You know, they think it's all done. It's unconditional. And three weeks later, I ask for access to an appraisal. That's a bit alarming. Why? Why now? <laughs> well, um, actually, so hold on a sec. Hold on a sec, because we got to take our break here. But I'm going to pick up this conversation about this post-sale appraisal thing. Uh, we're chatting with our show sponsors, Denise Webster from Dominion Lending Centers and Gapreet Randawa from the Sitka Law Group. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be back in just a moment. Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back, everyone. You're listening to The Whole Home Show. I'm Tony Joe. Our show is brought to you every week with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, J.P. Sellas, insurance advisor at Westland Insurance, the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs, and Silhouette Home Inspections with Pierre Beauvais. If you need help or direction in your real estate transaction, give any of the whole Home Show team members a call. They would love to hear from you. As a reminder, you can find their contact information by visiting cfax1070.com. Look under Shows and you'll find us, the whole Home Show. All of their contact information is there. You can also listen to all of our past episodes, uh, either streaming online on the CFAX website or by going to iTunes or Google Play. Having a conversation today, uh, really an update as to what's going on with our show partners, Gurpreet Randawa from the Sitka Law Group and also Denise Webster from Dominion, Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group. Listen, before the break, we were having this conversation about buyers writing offers that are unconditional, not subject to financing, even though there may be financing, and then before the closing date, the bank says, hey, we need to do our appraisal. You know, it's just paperwork. We got to get this done. And what happens if the seller doesn't let you in? So, um, Denise, uh, again, you, you uh, ended with a comment about you don't like to have this stuff wait too long. There are times when somebody writes a deal today and they're not closing for like four months. Right. And that appraisal sometimes happens you know, not now, but a little later, right? Yep. And for the, I would say the majority of the reason why a late appraisal will happen is because we've decided to get financing elsewhere. We've moved the mortgage for a much better rate. And um, all lenders require different um, parameters around their appraisals. Some have approved lists with appraisers on it. And if we had done the first appraisal, maybe we did do it really early on. And um, now that we've gone to a new lender and that lender doesn't use that appraiser, I need to go get a new appraisal. So that has to be a conversation with the agents. Uh, I'm not going to blindside anybody with a phone call and saying, why are you doing an appraisal one month before completion? Mm -hmm. I would say the majority of the reason is because we've moved um, um, uh, mortgage lenders and we need a new appraisal. Uh, another reason why I've delayed an appraisal is I've already had the conversation with an appraisal. I have no concerns about the market value. It wasn't an exaggerated um, offer over the asking price, um, newer home, nothing that I have fear of coming up. And I know that the client is rate shopping or, you know, really, really adamant about 
that I will possibly be moving this mortgage, I don't want to pay for two appraisals. Um, you know, so if I am going to delay it for a reason, it's because we haven't actually narrowed down the lender. It's such a clean application. We could be waiting until the 11th hour. We know rates are dropping. Though there's, there's some weird circumstances around that, but it's an open conversation I have to have with the agent to, to, know, to not alarm the seller and explain why we're coming back and why we need access again. Now, in that worst case scenario, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Worst case scenario. In that worst case scenario where you said the seller just says, forget it, I am not letting you access and access the home. It is unconditional. Um, I could probably try to beg and plead with a lender on that. And it's only because of COVID and we've been able to kind of skirt around this because when there was a real lockdown, we did not have access to homes and appraisals had to be done virtually. So the seller was able to provide um, pictures of the home. Uh, if there were recent uh, available pictures on MLS or anything on Landcore, anything that they could gather online, lenders were accepting appraisals done with older pictures. Um, if the appraiser could do an actual drive-by and take a picture of the front of the house, the street scene, the back of the house, but the interior pictures, if they could be trusted to be current, we could get an appraisal done without access to the home. So, you, you know, this is one I, I find that I'm I'm often having conversations with a seller because I do warn them. I say, listen, you just accepted this unconditional offer, but you got to understand that the, your buyer probably is getting some sort of financing. So there's a chance that you're going to see them back at some point. And, mm -hmm. you know, because what you're saying, when, when a seller does get nervous about giving access, it's usually because they're scared that something has gone wrong. So why do they need this appraisal? You know, has their financing fallen through? You know, is my sale in at risk? Um, they get this nervousness and it behooves us as licensees, as realtors to explain to sellers um, that actually this is common. What you're saying mm -hmm. is common, you know, about just changing lenders, about, you know, things like that. It is actually less of a concern right now as the market continues to creep upwards because what somebody paid for the house two months ago is often it's gone up since then. Mm. You know, I, I, I think the concern people mm. should has, have is if the market is going the other way. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, Gurpreet, please tell me people are getting uh, legal reviews of title and stuff like that um, before they're writing their unconditional offers. Honestly, I'm not seeing many requests for review of title before unconditional offers. Um, <sighs> We do that. <laughs> I haven't had come across that often. Your office, yes, does do that. But yes. um, generally, I get the unconditional offer once it's been accepted. <laughs> okay. Sometimes at that point, I'll be asked to review title. And I say, you you know, there's really no point now. But I understand if you want to know what's on there. Yeah. Um, so I will. Um, but I'm still seeing many, you know, offers that are conditional on review of title. I, I'm finding many sellers don't really see that as a risk. Mm -hmm. Um because they know titles generally clear um, and usually they know what the covenants and easements represent if there are any. Yep. So I'm actually still seeing a lot of title review requests come in as part of that due diligence. Well, but the other part of that too is hopefully the agent has provided copies of the title extension. Mm -hmm. So the covenants and the restrictions and things like that. Because yeah. uh, again, you know, the title itself, which notes those things, that's not sufficient. You need to dig deeper into these things. Exactly. Yeah. You have to pull each individual charge, which sometimes listing agents haven't pulled. 
Um, and if you have one of those offers that you're making on a Friday, that's being reviewed on a Sunday, we're not going to be able to pull them over the weekend. Um, so in those types of situations, you definitely want to ensure that you have title reviewed before you make that offer. So we had one a couple of weeks ago. I was just about to send you the uh, restrictive covenant. Um, our buyer wanted to build an extension on this uh, older house. And there was a uh, easement. Um, and of course, it's in that language. It's the 15, five, 15 feet from the southwest corner on a line bisecting the northeast. The <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Why come they didn't have diagrams back then, you know, right? Um, so, so it's interesting because I sort of, I took, I read that and I figured out as best I could what they were describing. And then I pulled up the municipal uh, GIS, the, uh, um, uh, the map which often has the services and the, the lines and everything. Uh, and it was exactly as I had mentioned. And as a result, that house was not suitable for this particular buyer's mm -hmm. use. But, you know, you can imagine if somebody had, if they had just jumped in without. Totally. And yeah. if like many buyers are seeing an opportunity to potentially, you know, construct a shed or an accessory building on a larger property, you definitely want to make sure you review title in those types of situations because there could be a right of way running through the back of the property for a sewer or something like that. So in, in, in cases where you do want to make improvements, very, very important to review those. Yeah. For sure. And uh, Denise, banks look at that stuff too, right? To some yeah, degree? Yeah. Part of the purchase contract the lenders want to see is that title attached to the contract. Yeah. Um, and then also that uh, hopefully, ideally, a property disclosure statement as well. Yeah. Uh, and they often review uh, strata documents if it's a strata property. Oh, for sure. We absolutely have to provide strata documents. So somebody's actually reading this stuff. And again, it brings us back to the whole it's not like you just submit these things and you get an approval like in an afternoon. Like there is, a, there is actual human intervention that occurs with these files. Oh, absolutely. And there's another delay. So, you know, unconditional offer. Um, and I could still be asking the seller uh, for more documents a week down the road because maybe I have the approval, but now they're diving into the Stratadocs and they find something and they want more uh, past minutes or AGM minutes or um, an engineer's report. So that stuff, you know, because lenders are so busy, even then when we submit the application and we can get an approval, documents sometimes can take three to four days to be reviewed. So now the process is a week down, uh, you know, later after they've accepted an unconditional offer. And one week later, I'm asking for more Stratadocs. It can happen. We can get everything we think up front, but when a lender actually dives in and starts to read things, they have the right to ask for more documents. Yeah, and we've seen that happen too. Oh, we're having a conversation about all the fun stuff that happens out there in the world of real estate here in Greater Victoria. Chatting with Gurpreet Randawa from the Sika Law Group and also Denise Webster from Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, uh, two of our fantastic show supporters. Need to take our last break of the day. We'll be back in just a moment. This is The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. We're chatting today, getting a little update, and all the fun things in local real estate here in Greater Victoria with our show partners, Rupreet Randawa from the Sicka Law Group, and also Denise Webster from Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, uh, having conversations about the process and how, you know, it's not like going to a store and just buying something. Real estate is, and it always has been a very complicated process. 
That's the reason why there's all these players like us, the real estate person, the mortgage broker, the lawyer, the building inspector, the home insurance person, all actually all of our sponsors here at the, the whole home show. Um, but there's just so much to know and it's not often cut and dry. Um, I mean, it's hard enough to find a place right now because there's no inventory, but secondarily, it's hard enough to secure it because if you're fighting with 10 or 20 or, you know, 30 other buyers, it's, it's tough going, right? Kind of, it, it, it lends the question, why the heck are people buying in a marketplace <laughs> like this? Um, I, actually, I suspect Denise probably has an answer for that because you've talked to people before, like early on in the process. Why are they buying now? Why? Well, I mean, I, I'd be a little bit biased here because it's Vancouver Island and uh, you and I born and raised here. Um, and it's just, uh, it's such a sought after place to live. And I, and it's been on the map for a while now. And it is, we've got a perfect, I think, you know, four season climate, it's a lot, a little less uh, extreme than our East coast. Um, and I think I, from my conversations, I mean, People just want to have their own properties. They really want their own space now. Um, I think that's what we've seen a big shift in is people wanting to actually get that detached home and get out of a strata um, or just have something that they are actually making a dent in with uh, equity. They don't want to pay rent anymore. So they really want to build their own equity and put their money towards something because we all we see here is values going up, up, up. So is it not a great investment? Yes, it's a great investment. I think combined, that would be the combined, feedback I'm getting. Yeah, and combined with cheap money. Never been. Yes. Cheap. Yeah. Don't forget the rates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. To, what are we like 2%? Like when was yeah, it ever this? Still low right? 2%. Yeah. Uh, oh, my goodness. Okay. Okay. Um, Gurpreet, uh, one of our listeners uh, by the name of Wayne, uh, a few months ago now, because, you know, we're playing catch up with mm -hmm. some of our correspondents here, uh, emailed, and there's a question. Um, what can happen with with a private easement when things go wrong? A private mm -hmm. easement. So I guess mm -hmm. that means one that's not registered on title. I, I'm going to guess that as well. Yeah. Um, so it, easement generally gives another property owner the right to access or impede your use of your property in some way. Uh, it could be a shared driveway. It could be a building encroaching on their land and they've given you the right to encroach. It could be noise. Um, so those are general types of um, restrictions that are covered by easements. With shared driveway, these are almost always registered against title because often the municipality requires that as part of the um, development approval process. Sometimes you will see instances where um, easements are not registered. I've seen them in situations where there's a very old um, drain that's running through various properties that all of these property owners have the right to use, but there's been no easement registered um, to secure that right. I've seen it in instances where there's an encroachment. So let's say these two neighbors have been neighbors for 20 years. Um, one neighbor has given the other neighbor the right to impede on their property line. Um, you know, the fence has been, you know, encroaching on the neighbor's property line um, or a pool's encroaching or a shed is encroaching. <laughs> I've seen all the, those. The pool seems kind of significant. <laughs> yeah, right? that yeah. is significant. Or yeah. a pond. Yeah. Um, it could be where there's, you know, a, a neighboring farm and there's perhaps um, smell, uh, nuisance resulting from that. I've seen private easements in those 
types of situations. And the worst case scenario is you have a disagreement or a dispute with your neighbor, or you sell and your neighbor, you know, doesn't like the buyer of your property and they decide they're no longer going to give you that right to encroach on their property line. Um, and they tell you, you can no longer do that. Um, so where does that leave the buyer um, or the owner of the property who had previously had that right? Um, court. You may have rights under common law to secure that easement, especially if that's a right you had for many years. Um, but that's costly, time consuming. Um, and if you're a buyer, your lender might not like the fact that there's this private easement uh, that might pose an issue with the financing. Oh, there's a couple of things to, un to unwrap here. So the, the first yeah. one is, if an easement is not registered, uh, how does the, uh, the, well, I guess the dominant tenement, like the, the, the person who benefits from the easement, how can they prove that they actually have it if it's not on title? History. So they'd have to essentially establish the facts, um, how long they've owned that property, that they've previously had that use for how long they've had that use. Um, potentially proving that it would be prejudicial to them to now have those rights taken away. Um, so it would be many facts. Wow. But it, it is essentially their word. Wow. Yeah, I wish our listeners could have seen it uh, when you said that both Denise's and my eyebrows went up. We're like, what? <laughs> I know. And I'm also thinking, how does that conversation get started too? And, and how do, how does the lender discover that when I don't see it on paper either? It's a weird one. I think the only place really is that question on the disclosure statement, exactly. which is, are you aware of any uh, encroachments? Uh, yes. And that's uh, what usually, that's usually that's when the question is posed for me as well as a prospective buyers looking at this property, this unregistered or private easement's been disclosed on the property disclosure statement. Now, now they're wondering, you know, what are their rights? What are their risks? And well, our the, lender is going to absolutely 100% ask about that if it's on the property disclosure statement. Well, and if then, it's and sorry to cut you off, Tony, if it's not on the property disclosure statement, um, title insurance might be a remedy for uh, a buyer. Uh, um, so always look into that as an option where it hasn't been disclosed. You want to avoid the risk. Title insurance um, usually covers those types of things subject to all their exclusions. Yeah. Um, that reminds me, actually, we should have title insurance on the program here one of these days to, to mm -hmm. talk about because that, that is a very handy tool, right? Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, now, I was going to say with the disclosures that that presumes that it's mentioned on the disclosure statement. You know, there's cases where it's an estate sale or being sold by family that has no idea. So there there is no disclosure. I mean, that's kind of that's a little scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, on in those cases, you're buying as is, where is. So that's where you really want to do your due diligence. Is there a survey? Um, talk to the municipality about, you know, where the storm drains and so on are. Um, talk to the neighbors if you can. So that's really where your due diligence is important, where you're buying, when you're buying on as is, where is basis. Mm -hmm. Well, I actually, I did encounter one of these earlier this year, uh, and there was an unregistered uh, drain easement. Um, didn't end up being a problem because it's going to end up being a development site anyway. So all of that infrastructure yeah. is going to end up changing. But uh, you know, it just, these are often these little curveballs that happen, you know, when you're kind of halfway through a transaction, it's like, oh my goodness, what's next, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, um, and now is, is an option to get that unregistered easement registered? It, it is an option provided that the dominant tenement uh, 
you know, and the Serbian tenement agree so that your neighbor and you, you know, are both on the same page about signing all the documents to cause it to be registered. Your neighbor may want some compensation in exchange for getting it registered. Um, there's going to be lawyer fees. Um, but that is an option as well as to get it registered before you list and sell. Yeah. And it's just another, it kind of brings us back to the importance of the title and reviewing title because all of these things are, 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 it's important for a buyer to know what they're buying um, because it's kind of rare for us to see clean titles. There's almost always something on there. Right? Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Hey, do you want to talk just for a moment about that whole uh, crown? Uh, you know how on title we often see the uh, under surface rights, under surface <laughs> rights. Yes. So um, explain to our yeah. listeners. Yeah, that's a very common one. You see that on many titles, under surface rights. It's gonna, it's a non-financial charge, which means the buyer will assume it. Usually, what they indicate is that any minerals, um, so gold, silver, anything you discover under the dirt, belongs to the province or Her Majesty the Queen in right of the province. Um, and so I, I simply tell buyers, you know, you're gonna own the dirt. You're gonna own everything above the dirt. If you ever discover anything below the dirt. It belongs to the queen. Yeah, so no, no Jed Clampett. Jed, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or do you even know who Jed Clampett is? This is old school. Oh, Denise, you do, surely. No. What? The Beverly what? Hillbillies. Oh, I don't know that name. I know yes, the show. They, they, he's, he, he dug and uh, up came the bubbling crude. That's how they made their money, right? So that, so our listeners would get that. Our listeners would get the Beverly Hills Boys. But um, no, and this is, this is the difference is that here, the undersurface rights, I mean, it belongs to, yeah, like Capri says, the province or the queen, right? Um, you, both of you guys now. You know, we've been talking about how complicated and hectic things are in the marketplace. Um, have you seen any problems, any issues where either sales had to collapse or, you know, uh, uh, unhappy things happening? Um, on, on my end, I haven't seen many sales collapse. I mean, I have had instances where we do have an unconditional offer and uh, unregistered easement has been discovered. You know, how do we work through that? Or a buyer needs to add parents to title for financing purposes. How do we navigate through amending the contract? Um, so I've dealt with those types of issues, okay. um, but I have not had many deals at all collapse before closing. Right. And you're doing okay, Denise? I am. Yeah. I had one same thing with uh, the contract had to be changed. It was a typo yeah. and subjects were removed with um, within, there was two dates on the conditions for um, the sub for the buyer and they all got removed on, let's say the third, but there was a condition on the second that was just a typo. Oh. And so it had to, it basically said the contract was now null and void and we had to go back and I felt for the realtor, that was just a, a, a human error. Mm -hmm. um, and you know what? The seller could have played hardball. Absolutely could have said, no, you opened up the contract and we were lucky that, you know, there's some good people out there still and they recognized it was human error. And it didn't really, but that's, that's a scary thing for a realtor. Just a, a simple typo yeah. can undo the contract. Well, and, and it's eye what, for me. Well, you know, and we're supposed to uh, dot our I's and cross our T's and in general, things are fine. But as you mentioned in a fast moving marketplace like this, where sellers are sometimes taking a ways to get out, you know, seller remorse, seller yeah. remorse, and maybe they'll sell for more to somebody yeah. else next month. 
Uh, this is a, 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 a true reality, right? Well, uh, anyways, guys, as always, thanks uh, to you both for being here and always uh, sharing your wisdom. Um, Gurpreet, if people need to reach you and the Sikha Law Group, the best way? Best way is by phone, 778-265-2677 or our website, sikhalaw.ca. Fantastic. And Denise, for you. Yep, same. Call me directly, 250-889-4743. And emails work as well, denise at denisewebster.com. And of course, listeners, because Denise and Gurpreet are our show supporters here, you can always just find their information by going to cfax1070.com and find us, the whole home show. All of their contact information is there. Uh, I know you guys get calls and contact from listeners. So uh, thank you guys so much uh, for being here because, again, uh, you share so much wisdom with us. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having us, Tony. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And for the rest of our listeners, we'll be here for you this time next week.